This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's Behave with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rintin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Doggy breath. Ooh. Bleeding gums. Uh-oh. Broken canine tooth. Ouch. February is designated as National Pet Dental Health Month. So it is fitting that we get the real scoop on pet dental care from a top dog in the field of veterinary dental medicine. Our special guest today, he has co-founded the American Veterinary Dental Society, and when he's not helping restore healthy mouths to pets at the Dixboro Veterinary Dental and Medical Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan, you'll find him uh, co-authoring some dental textbooks or giving lectures on pet dental care all over the globe. Please join me in giving pause and applause to a guy who makes a living being down in the mouth, the remarkable Dr. Ben Comery. Welcome to the show, Dr. Comery. Well, thank you for the kind introduction. You're welcome. You deserve it, man. Now, Mm -hmm. folks, Dr. Ben is going to school us on all things dental for our dogs and cats. But first, let's take this commercial break. You know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. Oh, behave. We'll be right back. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears clean when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zymox ear care products offer soothing relief, and you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be cleaned before you apply the drops. It's just as easy as fill, rub, and done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zmox, at Z-Y-M-O-X, gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. You'll find these veterinary recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. To learn more, go to Zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X. Pause up. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is Dr. Ben Comery III. He is a board-certified veterinary oral surgeon and dentist. He practices at the Dixboro Veterinary Dental and Medical Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan. You have been practicing dental care for decades, but let's just back up the tape. What got you into this specialty field in veterinary medicine to begin with? 
Sure. Well, at, actually, I was even awake during the lecture in vet school, and uh, <laughs> I had a half a page of notes. And uh, when I got out into the real world uh, and these animals would present themselves to me with these horrible mouth problems, I, we had zero training in, uh, in this, and uh, it was pretty pathetic. Uh, so it piqued my interest. I thought, my goodness, uh, we've got to be able to do a better job. So being in Ann Arbor and uh, having a dental school here and I can read, I sequestered <laughs> myself in the library in the dental school in the back uh, hallways and read everything I could find on the oral cavity in animals. And of course, okay. you have to understand that all the initial research is done on dogs. So I could have cared less about people. I wanted to find out the scoop about dogs. And that was, was the basis. And it's been a labor of love ever since. Uh, since that was uh, many decades ago, as, as you say. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not going to call you the Betty White of veterinary dental care, but you bring a lot of knowledge and what you did decades ago and what you did now would also, and checking you out because that's my job, you know, you keep learning and keep sharing too. So things that you did maybe three decades ago, you know, there's some new high tech things to replace it, right? Well, absolutely. And that's the fun part of it. Uh, and the, the real key in the bottom line is maybe not quite so much the dental aspect as it is the anesthesia and sedation and the ability to provide care. And that's what's made a quantum leap improvement. It's absolutely unbelievable uh, to see the progress that we've made. And any more in, in my office and in my colleagues' offices, age is not a disease. And I don't care if they're two years old or 20 years old, or is the goal attainable? And it's incredible how well these animals will do in getting care. I mean, I just did a 14-year-old kitty and a 15-year-old dog this morning, and, uh, and they're doing just that. The dog's already gone home, and, uh, <laughs> and the kitty is waking up. And what it allows us to do is is provide a much higher level of care and take care of the problems that maybe in years past we would have ugh, blown off or tried to find some other alternate way and have the the poor animals suffered during all that. So that's really, I think, in my mind, the key. The other thing is the imaging. And, okay. Uh, I can do a cone beam CT scan in a dog in less than a minute or in a kitty. And that has brought a whole new arena of diagnostics and patient care to our field. It's absolutely mind-boggling to see the information that we can get in less than a minute. And well, let's look at both of these. Let's start first with the advances in anesthesia. So back in the day, you know, people were very concerned uh, if they had a senior pet, but there's been some remarkable, as you say, quantum leap in the uh, advances in anesthesia. So to put it down into layman's terms, what would you say, I mean, now versus a decade ago, help with uh, getting a pet under and out of anesthesia? Well, the thing of it is, the less, uh, my philosophy is less is better. Yeah. And with the inhalation anesthesia with sevoflurane, which is currently the gold standard, we actually, we mask induce an awful lot of animals, or maybe if it's some Yahoo crazy dog uh, that doesn't <laughs> hear that comes in and stay thing. You know, we use propofol, things like that that are ultimately short-acting. But the bottom line is that what we put into their bodies, we can get out. And with the inhalation stuff, we turn the vaporizer off, and within three to four minutes, these dogs are looking at you, and the kitties are looking at you, and in half an hour, they're going home. So it's the ability to use products and techniques that minimizes what goes into their body and stays in their body. And most of the problems in the past 
would be we would have to use injectable things and you would put it in their body and you couldn't get it out. And so if things went south on you and if if you had a really (laughs) bad experience, uh, you were hammered. You had very little you could really do to reverse some of these things. Now, I mean, it's no big deal and exceedingly rare. But if we have a critter on the table that's, uh, hmm, this is not going well, you know, we turn the vaporizer off, wake them up and say, okay, so what was the deal with this critter? And it allows us to do that. So the mortality rate is exceedingly low and it's the competent person's hands, to be honest, the not desirable, but the mm-hmm. acceptable anesthetic death rate is one per 10,000 to 12,000 events. Okay. That's pretty low percentage. Versus back in the day, too. So let's go now with imaging. Oh, yeah. We live in a society of instant. We've got selfies. we got to have everything right now. Sure. We can't wait. We can't wait. Thanks for marinade. So what has been happening with imaging and why is that so important when you're working on inside the mouth of a dog or a cat? Well, it's all about the radiology, uh, mm-hmm. and we don't have Superman X-ray vision. I tell clients that I was not given that superpower. It kind of annoys <laughs> me, but uh, yeah, I would be annoyed uh, too. Yeah, and uh, so uh, with the digital stuff uh, and computers and this sort of thing, uh, we can get uh, just the, the standard conventional dental X-rays, you know, pretty speedy. You know, ten, fifteen seconds, and we have an image up on the computer. Wow! And so the ability, yeah, the ability to visualize what's going on. I mean, the cat that I just finished, I had to go chasing after tooth roots uh, on a previously fractured upper canine tooth, and there were still remnants down in the socket that was really annoying the cat. Well, Mm -hmm. without the ability to do interoral radiology, you're going in blindfolded. And so with this kitty, uh, I was able to get, there was two teeth that had uh, retained tooth roots. And mm-hmm. I got them both out of there. It's no big deal. You know, rock and roll. They're done. And, rock uh, and roll. That's uh, right. So that, Yeah. So that's the beauty of that is to see the hidden pathology and the problems that you didn't know was there. And so intraoral x-rays is an absolute. It's a bust. I mean, you can't do anything of any level in the oral cavity without it. And what I tell clients who come into my office is that, you know, with the regular veterinarians, fine. And there are good practices out there that do a great job. Mm-hmm. But the first question you ask, can you take intraoral x-rays? Like when I go to the dentist and he says, bite down. And, right. Uh, and, and if the answer is yes, rock and roll. You got a clinic that's doing a good job. And if the answer is, oh, well, we just do regular x-rays, then find somebody else. Because good. the regular x-rays are pretty useless. All right. And folks, you may be hearing some... Uh, sounds of telephones ringing in the background. Uh, Dr. Ben is not creating any kind of a fundraiser, you know, right now. He's actually in his office in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I guess you have a, it's a very, very in-demand practice. So if you hear that, that's a good thing. That means he knows his stuff. So let's talk a little bit about this being Pet Dental Health Month. You know, people are like, oh, I don't want to brush my dog's teeth or my cat's teeth. Let's talk about first, did you have a a paw in help creating this annual celebration? Because you you did help co-found the American Veterinary Dental Society. So what's the deal with February and why February? is dental month for pets? Well, sure. Historically, the winter months were always slow months. And veterinarians would sit around looking at the mirror wondering, okay, so what <laughs> am I going to do today? Yeah. And so it just seemed to be of convenience to make it uh, an awareness kind of month. And my goodness, we have awareness for everything under the sun. Well, yeah. let's look at the oral cavity. And, and the other thing that I tell people too is that when I got out of vet school, uh, I say last century, 
on my hospital forms, I had check the box, indoor or outdoor dog. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, now they're all in the bedroom under the covers. And so there's a much greater awareness of the halitosis and the problems that happen. And so what the effort was trying to do in in our professional groups is to say, hey, look, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Pet Owner, hey, you know, we maybe ought to really kind of take a look at this and take care of it because the other corollary is, yeah, if Fluffy has some fractured teeth, this is a portal of entry of bacteria into the body and systemically that really is never good. And we need to address this and make sure that we can maintain the quality of life. It's amazing how many, especially the older animals, will feel so much better once they have the disease processes taken care of in the body. And I get that consistently. People will call me up and say, oh, Ben, you know, Rover's doing so much better. <laughs> I'd wish we'd done this so much sooner. And uh, and the answer is, well, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I'll tell you, the oldest cat I've ever worked on was 24. Really? And, uh, Do you remember 20, the cat's yeah, name? 20, it was Methuselah? a white kitty. Uh, was Methuselah, it, maybe? From, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it had just a horrible mouth. And uh, and this cat came to me uh, and I said, look, there's, I mean, we have no choice. We got to, we got to get this kitty off in happiness land and rotor rooter the mouth and get all the disease out of there. And, uh, and then sent it home. And I got a phone call from the people the next morning saying that this cat was now eating and grooming itself and it hadn't done that in months. Nice. And, uh, at, yeah. And, it's, you know, that's a very rewarding telephone call. But, of course, the biggest problem I had was guilt on the owner's part that they hadn't done it uh, so much sooner. What I tell people from the standpoint of the overall picture is, look, you start when these critters are young. Don't wait till they have a problem in their mouth, for goodness sakes. Start when they're young. They get all their adult teeth in and fuss with the mouth a little bit. Take some of the the products that are out there. There are lots of toothpaste and things uh, and their water additives. There are all kinds of really good products that really help. But start early when it doesn't hurt because then you're able to do things. If you wait until they're five, six, seven years old and now they have problems, I don't want anybody messing in my mouth when it hurts. Come on. (laughs) Well, we're going to dive into more of this, but we got to take a quick commercial break. Um, we're talking with uh, Dr. Ben Comery. He is a veterinary oral surgeon and dentist out of a practice in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We're going to kind of go through some things with him. We're going to play test the dentist, but we're going to take this <laughs> quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Pause up, everybody. It's Arden here. I've got a cat confession about my feline foodie, Casey, the orange tabby. Love the guy. But we now have to put all the food we've prepared for dinner into the microwave if we want to enjoy a civil meal in the living room without him stalking the kitchen and helping himself. You know, that's some stuff I can live with. What I can't deal with is a smelly litter box. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It clumps tight around odor and destroys it for a seven-day odor-free home, guaranteed. Because an odor-free home is a happy home. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. 
Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here to unleash some great health advice. It's time to be down in the mouth for the benefit of your dog and cat. Unleashing good oral care is one of the best ways to show love for your pet. Do you find brushing your pet's teeth challenging? Here is a terrific solution. Treat your dog to Oratine Brushless Oral Care. Oratine makes caring for your pet's oral health super easy. The difference is the enzymes. The advanced enzyme technology in Oratine works to freshen the breath. It eliminates bacteria, fungus, and yeast. Yuck. They also reduce plaque biofilm from accumulating on the teeth. And guess what? None of these products require actual brushing. Woohoo! You can choose from these three products. One, a water additive that gives your pet the benefits of oral care with every lap of water. Two, a breath freshening spray with a gentle mister. Or three, a brushless toothpaste gel you can apply with your finger. If your pet tolerates brushing, hey, you can always brush too. To learn more, visit Zymox.com, Z-Y-M-O-X.com, and look under the oral care product line. Do it today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan, the host of Lucky Dog, and I invite you to listen to Oh Behave with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Oh Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm having a great time. I am having a pain-free time with a veterinary dentist. He is Dr. Ben Comer. He's out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. He helped co-found the American Veterinary Dental Society. So this guy knows his teeth, his gums, and all that stuff. So, Dr. Ben, we're going to go through some things and help you to help others. Let's first talk about bad breath. You know, you hear people say, well, he's an old dog. He should have bad breath. Uh-oh, I think you're, you're probably your hackles are up. Why is bad breath an early sign of uh-oh? I think you even called it biofilm invasion. That sounds like a movie. <laughs> well, yes, uh, the, the odor comes from a couple places. Uh, certainly the oral cavity is top of the list, and it comes from the bacterial flora that are involved in the disease process. There have been over 400 bacteria that have been isolated and identified in the oral cavity of companion animals. So there's a plethora of them that wow. are gas formers, hydrogen sulfide, oh yeah, hydrogen sulfide formers and this sort of thing. So when uh, Fluffy comes over to you in pants and, and wants <laughs> yeah. to give you a kiss and you about get nauseous and pass out, yeah, there's a reason for that. And it's from the bacterial flora. But it also could be from somewhere else, right? Well, Another organ? The G- well, the other significant place is the GI tract. And okay. there are, when we eat uh, garlic, the problem's not our mouth. The problem is that we absorb the garlic juices into our bloodstream and we blow it out through our lungs. It's the same principle as uh, the GI flora and the, the bacteria that are there. And hmm. frankly, a lot of animals will benefit from probiotics and that sort of stuff to try to crowd out the bad guys and get some good guys in there. So I, the other area of concern for halitosis, yeah, certainly is the GI tract. And then 
you know, if you're unusual down the list, but certainly if you have other lung problems, if you have some sort of mycotic infection, deep fungal, that sort of stuff in the thoracic cavity and they're breathing some of those fumes out, you know, that can, can be a little dicey, but uh, that's pretty rare. No, was, Is that like the backdraft, I guess you would say, for the lungs? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. All right, so just to recap, it's probably something in the mouth with the wonderful 400 different types of bacteria flora, but it could also be in the GI tract, and then from there, it's a little more unusual sources, correct? Correct. All right, so we got bad breath. Let's talk about the gums, whether, you know, they should be bubblegum pink, right? So what are some of the things we need to be looking out for when we look at our dog's or cat's gums? Well, yeah, certainly uh, fire ancient red bleeding gums is never a good thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're not supposed to do that. And so if the animal does have bleeding from the, the gums, from the gingiva, and uh, every there's ulcers and all that sort of stuff, that's a red flag that goes up. Uh, and especially with cats. You know, cats are what I tell people, aliens came to the planet 2,000 years ago, <laughs> built the pyramids, and left cats. And uh, the cats didn't get back on the spaceships. And that's how we got kitties, because their immune systems and their response is a bit different than it is for dogs. And uh, cats like to make mountains out of molehills when it comes to the inflammatory response. But certainly, it really needs to be looked at. So you flip the lips, and that's what I say. Not just Don't just peek at the canine tooth in the front, the big fang. Look right. in the back of the mouth. What's going on back there? I mean, is this... Is there 400 pounds of junk and crud and calculus and nastiness on the tooth surface? That's never good. And uh, that stuff's got to get cleaned off because that's where the bacteria live. And that's one of the other principles in oral cavity disease that people need to understand. Bacteria live in the plaque on the tooth surface. That's where they live. They don't live underneath the gums. It's the plaque and junk that's there. The problem is the animal's immune system cannot get to that plaque, and that's why we have chronic disease. If the immune system could arrive, say, oh, you 400 bacteria, you don't belong here, you're history, you're out of here, and the immune system cleans it up, cool, you don't have disease. But the bacteria are in the plaque and calculus on the tooth surface going, nah, 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 nah. can't get me, can't get me, <laughs> yeah. and that's what happens. That's exactly what happens, and that's why it's so important to keep the junk and crud off the tooth surface because that's the culture media for the bacteria. I love these medical terms, junk and crud. That's all I like. You're, you're on my team. Oh, yeah. I've been doing this too many years. <laughs> well, all right. Let's move forward. You term uh, fractured teeth as the silent disease. And I remember uh, years ago, I had a Husky Golden Retriever mix chipper, sweet dog, always ate at a good pace. And I noticed she was just breaking up her kibble in front of the bowl and I opened up her mouth, and in the back, it was kind of red and bleeding, and I couldn't really tell for sure, but sure enough, we took her to the vet, and she had broken a molar. Yep. Yeah, it's an endless parade of those, and uh, what people need to understand uh, is that the teeth are hollow. There's pulp and nerve on the inside, and, uh, and what happens, that becomes the portal of entry of bacteria from the body into the tooth, into the bone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can, you know, I have way too many stories. We could be on the phone for the next three weeks. But Let's uh, do it. Let's start uh, a marathon. Yeah. Well, understand that that's where the bacteria come from. And when I've been in special referral practices and some of my orthopedic surgeon buddies will put in a total hip and then the total hip blows up because of bacterial contamination and they're beside themselves. How did this happen? 
And you know, I look at the dog and I say, yeah, bother looking at this busted tooth and the apical abscess that's there. That's where the bacteria are coming from. So from that point on, any animal coming into the clinic for total hip, they had to get by me first. Good. I'm sure that there weren't any any portals of entries. And that's the problem. And the hassle is, as you experienced uh, with your own pooch and is so consistent, animals mask their discomfort. They don't let you know. It's an endless parade of critters with abscessed teeth and busted teeth. And, you know, they'll look at you and wag their tail and give you a kiss. And they'll say, yeah, nothing's wrong here. But guess what? There is something wrong. It's a time bomb. And that's the problem. Endodontic disease, you know, broken teeth is not an accelerated process. It can take months for disease to show up on the x-rays. Mm-hmm. I've seen dogs that have had fractured teeth for a year or two before all bloody heck wow. breaks loose. Wow. And, oh, yeah. And doesn't mean everything is okay. And, oh, well, Fluffy seems to be eating okay. Well, no. If you watch Fluffy, as you observed, you will mm-hmm. see them, yeah, they don't use one side. When I look at animals' mouths, oh, and I see point. 400 pounds of calculus on one side and not much on the other, already, where's the sore tooth? Because we're not chewing on this side. Very good point. Yeah, Very good deal. point. You know, it's kind of like being a, a pet detective, I guess. I, I do pay attention when they eat. What are some no-nos? Uh, we don't need to name brands, but, you know, people have these myths that they think, oh, my dog needs to chew on this or that, and that'll just take off the surface tartar. You're the man who knows. So what's the real scoop on uh, some of these things out there for dogs that like to chew? What's good? What's bad? What should we avoid? Well, I have a very dear friend of mine uh, that gives it the knee test, and he says, uh, if you take whatever it is and hit your knee with it and it hurts, it's a bad idea for the dog's mouth. (laughs) Okay. And and, uh, things that are hard, that do not give, uh, are job security for me because (laughs) they break upper fourth premolars all the time that give, that are pliable, that will break up and that sort of stuff tend to be a little bit safer products uh, for animals to use. Uh, uh, it's got to have some give to it. You have to understand that dogs and cats' mouths, especially dogs, have a scissors bite. And what that means is when the tooth on the top, the upper fourth premolar, overlaps the lower first molar on the bottom, the jaw doesn't give. There's no lateral movement. When we chomp on a cherry pit, our jaw whips out sideways. Mm-hmm. Dogs don't do that. So if they get something between their lower first molar and their upper fourth premolar that does not give, doesn't have some flexibility to it, snap goes the crown of the fourth premolar every wow. time. And what about yeah. with cats? So, well, kitties, I think when it comes to the mouth, cats are much brighter than dogs. And <laughs> uh, Yeah, and you know, you have to kind of dimensionally look at it. It's pretty unusual for cats to break teeth on products. And cats will look at a dog chewing on something and say, are you an idiot? What are you doing that for? (laughs) And uh, the big problem with cats are high-rise syndromes where they get on top of the refrigerator and they want to pounce on something below them. And then they do a head plant and bust their upper canine teeth from that. Yeah, that's what happens with kitties with busted teeth. Okay. Do and the when, Yahoo number. Yeah. <laughs> Super cat. When you look at a dog or a cat's mouth, there's this tiny itty bitty 
teeth in the front. And then, you know, you've got the canine teeth on the side. But I teach pet first aid with a real dog and cat. And one of our things we've been taught is to pull the tongue forward just to open the airway. And I tell people when you do an airtight seal on the muzzle, that tongue's going to stick out, but they're not going to bite their tongue off. What's the deal with those baby teeth? What's their purpose? And can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah, the little fellas in front, uh, the theory is back in the day uh, when the dogs were evolving in the Bronze Age, the female dogs would use those incisors to chew the umbilical cord from the oh, puppies. Oh, yeah, and yeah, and mastication standpoint, they they don't do a damn thing. I mean, there's nothing. They're decorations. But from a physiologic standpoint, in dealing with their babies uh, that are postpartum, yeah, that's that was the whole theory that uh, <laughs> female dogs would use those teeth to cut the umbilical cords. Okay, that's cool. Now let's talk about the number of teeth in a dog or a cat's mouth. I feel bad for the little purse my ride dogs versus the big dogs. I had a little dog that was a actually a retired surfing dog, Cleo, and she had to have several little baby teeth removed because they just crowded on her jaw versus my husky mix who never, other than that broke molar, had all her teeth her entire life. What's up with the, the little guys and their jaw size? Well, first off, you got very good advice uh, from the veterinarian because crowding is a big deal in, in the small breed dogs. Uh, the normal complement in dogs is 42. Mm-hmm. Try to take 42 teeth in a golden retriever and put it in a toy poodle. It's not going <laughs> to happen. And, and uh, I'm ecstatic when I have these uh, little ones present to me that are missing teeth, that you know, congenitally missing teeth. So it's thank you, thank you, because I don't have to start doing preemptive things and taking crowded teeth out. Mm-hmm. So the teeth that are essential, and that's kind of what we're getting to, uh, right. that I look at and I prioritize are the four canine teeth, the fangs in the front, the upper corner incisor on the top. You have the canine tooth, the big fang, and the tooth just in front of it. Those two teeth and the lower canine tooth are the ones that pick things up that are the functional teeth in the front. The six incisors on the bottom and the other four on the top are pretty useless. Uh, In the back of the mouth, it's the upper fourth premolar, upper first molar, and lower first molar. Those are the three in the back that they actually eat with. Okay. And teeth that are be the equivalent of wisdom teeth in people, the upper second molar on the top is just this ridiculous tooth. It has wimpy, three little wimpy tooth roots, and it's a time bomb. And especially for some of the smaller dogs, when they come in, I will preemptively take those second molars on the top out of there. They're just, they're useless. All they do is attract plaque. They're impossible to keep clean at home. And it puts the upper first molars at risk, which, are, as I said, is the important tooth. So what we look at for the small breed dogs uh, and the crowding and that sort of stuff is, okay, so what are happy teeth and what are not happy teeth and which teeth are going to put other teeth at risk? And the teeth that are going to put an important tooth at risk go bye-bye. Good. I like that. And let's talk about, I know on your website and everybody after the show, I please dash over to DixboroughVets.com. That's D-I-X-B as in boy, O-R-O-V-E-T-S.com. Because you actually have a video on how to brush a pet's mouth. You know, we kind of alluded to it and we're kind of wrapping this up right now. But what are some things we can do at home and what kind of things? I mean, there seems to be a lot more options, but you've got the person who goes, oh, I don't want to brush my dog's teeth or cat's teeth. But you showed us the video. It can be done. Being down in the mouth is yeah, probably it, one of the best gifts you can give your pet, right? 
Right. And I think, as I said earlier, it's start early. Don't wait till their mouth is a mess and then try to clean them up. And, you know, in the least, what I tell people, in the least, wrap a washcloth around your finger and just use that to wipe the scum off of the outside. The tongue does a pretty decent job on the inside. So don't worry so much about trying to get into that area, but especially the upper arch, that pointy tooth in the back, which is the fourth premolar, take a washcloth, wrap it around your finger. Now, once a day, just wipe it clean and take it two seconds to do it. Use the bribery technique uh, with treats and, and that sort of stuff. And so when the critter behaves itself, you okay, here's your little treat. And uh, I've had some dogs in the practice actually stare at the owners <laughs> until they get their teeth teeth wiped clean because they get the treat afterwards. You know, that's, that's the amazing. thing. And it's the same with cats. Mm-hmm. Sure it is. And it's the same it's the same thing with kitties, too. Uh, you're not going to rub and scrub. You're not taking Brillo pads to the tooth surface. Come on. <laughs> but just it's plaque control. And if you can just wipe them clean once a day, awesome. And yes, there's a whole lot of products out there. And some of them are really, 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 really good. And also facilitating plaque removal and, and keeping after it. Any veterinarian in practice who does what I do are going to tell you, you have to start with a clean tooth model. You're not going to take 400 pounds of junk on a tooth surface and wipe it clean with a, with a washcloth. Not going to happen. So the teeth have to be clean first. So let's start early in life when they're a year, year and a half old, when they're clean. Yay! Okay, and then we'll keep them that way. Well, yeah. I just in, I adopted an orange tabby. He's uh, six months old. His name is Rusty. And Rusty, you heard what the good doctor said after the show. I'm grabbing my washcloth. We're going to parte yeah. in the mouth, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not that hard. And if people are just gentle and kind and you know, a little patience and a lot of treats and bribes, it's amazing how effective one can be. Really and truly. Well, I love it. Is there any parting message? One thing that really was kind of neat about you, besides when you're out of the uh, dental office and all that, you actually have been a volunteer for the Boy Scouts and the National Ski Patrol. Obviously, in Ann Arbor, it, it snows like, what, 10 months a year? I'm teasing. Oh, no. <laughs> It's cold there. It's cold. No, everybody, everybody, everybody thinks we're in the, you know, in the tundra. No, <laughs> we're not in the tundra. And uh, if you get way up into northern uh, Michigan and the Upper Peninsula, it can get uh, a little snowy up there. But where I live, no, not so much. So what got you into helping out fun. with the ski patrol and the Boy Scouts? The Boy Scouts was because I was one at one time and uh, back in my youth, and, uh, and they asked uh, for a lot of help uh, with merit badges, with health care and this sort of stuff for companion animals. And so I helped out with that and uh, did a lot of coaching for the kids. So they'd come in and they'd do their interviews and all that sort of stuff. That was big fun. And uh, the ski patrols, because I love to ski, and uh, I did that for a lot of years. And it was pretty interesting uh, to <laughs> to see the similarities between the injuries that would happen with these skiers and then companion animals and that sort of stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that's right. it takes a, and our challenge in the ski patrol was to take, you know, four kids in a VW and get the one with a broken leg in there with the three others. And, you know, oh, my it gosh. Was, uh, it's it like was, a clown's we, car. We'd have to get co- <laughs> Oh, we would get quite creative. The school buses weren't any problems, but some of the people would pack their cars full of people and bring them in, and then somebody would injure themselves. And yeah, that was always a little bit of fun. All right. Is there any one last dental tip you can share before we bid adieu? Well, I think really and truly flip the lips. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if I were to, to say a little catchphrase, flip the lips, look, 
and not just the canines in front. Look at the whole mouth. And uh, I do this all day long, every day. And, uh, and it's amazing the pathology that's hidden there that gets missed and, uh, and how much better those animals feel when you deal with it. So flip the lips. All right. Take home message. I like it. Hey, everybody. We've been speaking with Dr. Ben Culmery. He is in practice at the Dixboro Veterinary Dental and Medical Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Please, after the show, he's got a really cool how to brush your dog and cat's teeth video on the website. It's dixborovets.com, and you'll see what I'm talking about. At this time, also, I want to give a little shout out to our producer, Mark Winner. He is the wizard of Paws. He's the man in charge of all the shows on Pet Life Radio, the world's largest uh, and most listened to pet radio network. And also, I want to give a shout out to my dog, Kona. Kona had her dental done last week. She had a stage two, and we're practicing more preventive care. She's five years old, and she's got a sporting a sweet white teeth and healthy breath smile. So I'm going to take home and flip the lip more, thanks to the good advice from Dr. Ben. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.